Welcome to Music Ed Talk. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Fleischman. Dr. Fleischman, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, Kim. It's great to be here. I'm a teacher in Southern California. I've been a band director in at the high school level for about 14 years, and I'm currently teaching at a middle school. I've been there for about four years, so that's my my background as a music educator. I'm here today to talk a little bit about my research and my my study with uh, with band directors. So, what did your research center on? The overall problem, or I guess the thing I was trying to solve, uh, or at least uh, you know try to, to shed more light on, is uh, addressing this gap in in music education where uh, high school band directors, in particular. <laughs> um, sort of ignore the creating standards like when it, it's like yeah we do performance yeah we do skills we talk about music um you know we listen to judges tapes we listen to commentary um we talk about music history but when it comes to improvisation and composing we kind of conveniently ignore that part because we don't have time for it or we're always you know we're, we're kind of governed by our performance calendars so what I wanted to do was to work with some band directors in a study. Um, we worked in Zoom, but this is before COVID, before <laughs> this was in 2019. Uh, five of us got together uh, over a period of about five months. So we met, we met pretty regularly for the first couple months and just talked about challenges in the classroom. Why is it not happening? How can we make it happen? As a researcher, I presented some some ideas and kind of and and gave them some some ideas and some some jumping off points of you know how do we how do we make meaningful creativity happen in a band classroom where we don't have a lot of time. So th- some of the things that came up were in those discussions were the first one was obviously time. You know, we're, we're so busy. We don't have time to, to make these lessons. We're, we're busy with after school practices and competitions and all these other things. So the preparation time was an issue. The class time was an issue. Uh, we're always, pre- we, we can't give up rehearsal time. It's too precious. So we're not going to spend time doing that. We're always rehearsing toward the next thing. And then the second big obstacle that, that we discussed was, uh, you know, our students can't do it. We don't have time. Well, our, our students don't know how to compose. They never had music theory, so they're not they're not really capable of doing it. At least, and, and I'm paraphrasing. This is kind of like what we talked about as reasons why we don't do it. The third one was um, teachers don't really know how to teach it. They come out of their music ed programs and they're never shown a model of, you know, how do we include these things in our in our teaching practices? Uh, some of them felt very uncomfortable with the idea of, you know, I don't really know how to teach composition. I don't really, I'm not a jazz player, so I don't really know how to teach improvisation. And then the final one was just teacher attitude was just like, you know, well, we're all here. We're trying to make it happen. But I know a lot of my colleagues, you know, they just don't think it's important. So they're not going to. They think that composition belongs in AP music theory. Jazz, uh, jazz is where improvisation happens, and we just don't teach it in band or an orchestra. So those were the four big things we're trying to overcome in, in, in uh, together. What we came up with, or, or what I offered, and, and they kind of tried a little bit and worked uh, worked with it, was this thing called the creative music strategy, which is a, uh, a seven-step process or framework that was developed back in the 60s by uh, Leonor Poganowski. So it's been around a while. I didn't, I didn't come up with it. But it's a lesson plan where students talk about music or a musical concept then they get together in small i'm paraphrasing but they, they get together in small groups and then they write something they compose something they create something in the style of whatever you want to show them so if you're teaching the whole first symphony or first suite knee flat uh you know you maybe you're going to talk about the concept of uh theme and variation of the three note motif so okay now let's all get together and create our own variations of that three mo- note motif um, 
then we record it, we present it, we talk about it. So it's a process that could that you could probably implement in an hour um, or two days of class or two hours of class time. So it's not like we're talking about taking a week or two off of repertoire to do to do this stuff. And and the other big thing is, you know, these compositions that students are doing. I think in our minds we have this grandiose idea of what it means to compose. Like it's got to be this four minute fully orchestrated, fully scored piece that we're going to do at the concert. No, these are like twenty seconds, thirty seconds that kids prepared in 20 minutes. So, you know, you only have 20 minutes to prepare. You know, you only come up with 20 seconds, but it's but it's meaningful. And these are things that may not be things that you perform at the concert. So these are things that um, are only like 20 seconds, right? They're not gonna be maybe performed at a concert, but they're performed for their peers. And this is a lesson that these, that the band directors I worked with, they presented a lesson to the group we looked at it, we watched the video of it, we gave each other critique and feedback. And then a few weeks later, they came back with another lesson that they presented and recorded from their classrooms. And then I interviewed them at the very end individually and said, okay, well, what worked, what didn't work? And is this something you're gonna use in the future? And at the time, this was, uh, this was, right bef this was before COVID, <laughs> uh, they said, yeah, this, you know, this is manageable, it worked, this is something I'll probably keep doing. And the big thing was they had to reorient their, um, their thoughts about what it means to compose or improvise by bringing it down by lo lowering the bar, so to speak <laughs> of our expectations of what it is. Anyone can teach it. The students can do it. They don't need music theory. They don't need orchestration. This was done in beginning classes with string players who had only had like maybe a few months of, of training on their instruments, like total beginners. Right. Um, and I mean, this is done I mean, elementary kids improvise. You know, they do, when the, when they bring out their horns for the first time and play Careless Whisper or whatever in your band room, that's improvisation, guys. You know, so they're already doing it. You just we just it's just not we're not recognizing it because we think improvise improvisation means jazz soloing, or we think composition means five minute piece fully orchestrated. So, so all those barriers of time, it didn't take as long as they thought. They could teach it. Students could do it. And just with the right attitude um, and, and just like, you know, well, yeah, we can do this. It is important. It can be done. So that those are the major findings of my of my my study. And do you think the implication of this study can apply to all music classrooms and not just instrumental? Yeah, I think so, um, because really this is being done at the elementary level all the time or variations of it elementary kids are creating music all the time and they're and, and they're in like a you know one day a week pull out or whatever it looks like at your school site but certainly um and and certainly any performance any group like like choral groups for instance of of course i mean you take take time away from you know your performance cycle or your repertoire cycle uh to to dig into deep concepts let's say you're you're teaching something that has um a certain kind of harmony in it Okay, well, let's get together and let's try to let's try to recreate that harmony or remix it or um, rewrite something in the style of that. And sometimes it might look like soundscapes. Sometimes it might look like taking one one item from from the repertoire that that you want your kids to understand or students to understand, and just focusing on that or remixing it or rewriting something in the style of whatever piece you happen to be performing. Um, if it's, you know, the, the Verdi Requiem, it's all right, all right, let's write something in the style of the first movement um, that sounds like it. And now the kids, by picking it apart and by deconstructing it and by creating something like it, they're starting to put together a lot more 
understanding of how that piece is put together so that when they approach the idea is when they approach that as a performer, they're going to look at it with different eyes and they're going to experience it with a different, uh, you know, with, with a different mindset, having had the, the intimacy of taking it apart and deconstructing it. That's the idea. That's the goal. And how do you think technology can aid in this process? Oh, technology. Um, well, I did a lot with technology last year. I think we all did. I did a lot of stuff with Soundtrap, um, and uh, which is a, a, a digital audio workstation. A band Lab is another version of that, like GarageBand, things like that, uh, where students virtually with no, like I was their first music class, they were able to construct loops or go in their house and record things. Like we were talking about um, the difference between free and strict rhythm. So I might, I, the, the assignment was, okay, we're gonna make a soundscape. Let's give it a theme, maybe add a picture, go take a picture of something from home. Cool, you brought a picture of your baby sister. All right, let's, let's create a soundscape now with the stuff around your house that, um, that uh, you, know, you think represents that photo. And it could be anything, right? And so the, the students came back, let's focus on rhythm, free, free rhythm versus strict rhythm. And let's go find examples and capture sound of free rhythm versus strict rhythm. Uh, and let's put those together in a soundscape to tell a story somehow. And we're talking about maybe 20 seconds. That technology that's out there right now, I think is really, um, can really help kids who don't necessarily have a strong skills, uh, a foundation of strong skills on an instrument or on their, whether it's their voice or, or whatever. And, and like I said, I'm teaching like sixth graders who never had a music class. They never picked up an instrument before. So they were able to express, uh, create something musically using um, technology as an assistant tool. Uh, I also really liked uh, Songmaker from Chrome Music Lab, right? Where we, we had, the, I had the students make um, uh, an eight measure major melody so I kind of put the training wheels on so you can, you know, take out all the chromatics, just let's just stick it to B flat concert. Right. <laughs> um, and one in minor and talked about the colors. Okay. Well, the minor is going to kind of hover around these colors. So your home notes now purple versus your home notes now green. So kind of using, giving them those scaffolds and those training wheels to help them be successful. So you're not just giving them a blank slate. Now more advanced students, you'd be able to say, okay, go make a major, a major melody and they'd be able to do that. But the younger the student, the more scaffolds you need to provide or else this is too overwhelming for them. And how do you think educators who might not have access to these technological resources can still implement this same mindset to their instruction? Yeah. Um, well, I'm assuming we're, we're talking about face-to-face settings. Is that right? Or yes. are we talking? Yeah. And face, yeah. Face-to-face settings I think are better because, um, you can have the social aspect. Uh, you could put students in groups of like four or five students. I wouldn't use more than four than five, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like like then you get the small groups where they're starting to bounce ideas off one another, um, and you know that's kind of a, the group dynamics thing is a whole other you know topic for another time, I guess. But <laughs> within the, within the groups, but uh, but yeah, I think I think it's 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 a great opportunity to get students together socially to kind of work together um, and, and come up with solutions together. And sometimes you might find a, um, you know, one person dominating the conversation that, that kind of happens sometimes and like maybe one or two introverts who are kind of quiet, but ultimately the other people, you know, they're, they're still theoretically getting something by being part of the experience in, in some way or another. And obviously that's not ideal. You want a totally democratic group and every, every group's going to be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, I think doing uh, making room for this in face-to-face settings where technology isn't 
uh, where you're not reliant on technology, you can absolutely do. Because I, I we were doing this without technology before you know before COVID, so we weren't really even using technology. That was just something that I had to get creative. Uh, no pun intended um, to, to, to come up with lesson plans during, during COVID and the pandemic. And are there any closing insights you'd like to share with music educators? Yeah. Um, I think the, the big thing I, w- I would want people to know or music educators to know about, about creativity is that, uh, you know, you can do it. I think you just need to trust yourself. You need to trust your students. I don't think that educators are, anti-creativity as much as they are just pro-tradition. I don't think, I, I think that we're still like, we value creativity. No one's like, oh yeah, you know, creativity is terrible. I don't, you know, I don't want that, ju- that garbage in my class. <laughs> no one says that, right? No one, no one really believes that. Uh, we all think it's important, but um, we just, you know, we fall short when we, we don't have models. We don't, we, we never had models, at least myself. I mean, I went to high school in the nineties. So I'd be, mean, you know, for me in Southern California, it was a highly competitive environment. So I didn't know anybody that was doing this kind of stuff in their classes. I certainly never did. Um, it was all just show up, get your instrument out. All right, let's warm up, let's play. And we just went bell to bell, you know, just, just performing, rep- like just performing, preparing for concerts. And I think that's the model that we are just, you know, we're just used to because we just, that's just how we grew up. That's what we had as educators. So now we perpetuate that model. Uh, and so I think, What's important now is as we're coming back and we're, we're engaging students and we want to, you know, foster community and we want to foster uh, students' uh, social emotional needs and, and SEL and, and, and all of those great things, this is how we do it. Uh, we let students bring themselves and their own cultural capital to the music making process and the creative process. And it's not just us telling, it's not just us pulling the strings, but they, they have some, now they have some agency and, uh, not only the agency, but they're, you know, they're, they're learning in their own way. And they're, you know, there's, there's more than one way to teach certain things. So for educators, I would say, you know, you just got to trust your kids, trust yourself, you can do it, there's time to do it, to be to compose and to improvise. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, you know, it can be a, a 20 second, 30 second gesture, musical gesture that students can 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 do of all levels, you know, elementary all the way through high school. Yeah, and I think another thing to add to this is that when I first started doing this myself in my own teaching setting, it's not like I stopped doing concerts. It's not like I stopped rehearsing repertoire. We still did the concerts. We still did all the things. And I maybe did this maybe every eight weeks where I kind of took a break from something to kind of change gears a little bit. And it took practice for me to get comfortable with it. It was something I was very uncomfortable with the first time. But the more I got used to doing it and the more the kids got used to the routine of it, by the four, third or fourth time, it, the kids knew, okay, this is what we're doing. And they just went to work and it, it, it got more efficient. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's important too. I'm, I'm not proposing that we stop doing concerts and stop performing. <laughs> that's definitely not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that we can find room in little pockets of time here and there uh, in our teaching schedules, whether that looks like every four weeks, every eight weeks, maybe like that last weird week before winter break after the concert's over. Um, you know, whatever that looks like in your program. If others out there wanted to talk to you about this topic and learn more, where and how might they be able to do that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, I don't have a website and I should. 
um, but my, my email address, um, which you could maybe publish in the notes. Um, I'm, I'm welcome to talk to people about this. Um, and, and I also have to sit the caveat of this. I'm not the total expert, right? I don't know everything. I think I can learn just as much from, from you all. And, and I've enjoyed that, that part of this process too, is talking to other people and being, Oh, I never thought of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning too through all this, but, uh, to get a hold of me, my email address, um, is F as in Frank L as in Larry E as in echo. I as in igloo, <laughs> uh, S as in Sam C as in Charlie H as in hotel M as in Mary at Mac M A C like the computer.com. So it's F L E I S C H M at Mac.com. Thank you again for joining us. Ed Talk.